You're listening to audio from Mountain View Church, located in Murphy, North Carolina. If you'd like more information, you can find us at www.mtnvu.org or on Instagram and Facebook at Mountain View Church NC. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, It's been an honor, and thank you for the privilege to share the Word of God with all of you. And that's my prayer that the Holy Spirit uh, can speak through His Word and through me, through your life. And see what challenge the Lord has for each one of us, right, in His Word. I don't know about you, but when I read the Word of God, sometimes I, I have this delicious taste, you know, in my spirit. But sometimes that delicious taste comes a little bit sweet and sour because it's challenging. And sometimes my own flesh doesn't want to do what the Lord is putting in my heart to do. But <clears throat> let's see what, what the Lord says in First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 6, that's what we're going to keep doing this study. And let's dig in. So I hope for you it will be sweet. And if it's sweet and sour, well, let's obey the Word of God and let's do it, right? So First John chapter 2, verse 1 and 6 says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. The one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So I'd like to see that uh, John continues what he was saying in the chapters that we studied before last Sunday. And then he said, I'm writing this to you so you will not sin. And we're going to read those passages that we uh, learned last week, which is 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. And it says, if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So according to some scholars, they said that there was two groups on John's time. That one group says that we don't have sin at all. We can live, we can love, we can die, and that's it. You know, like a friend would say, you know, party, party, yeah, you know. <laughs> but there's the other side of people that said, don't touch that, don't eat that, and that will save you from sin. And they were kind of excluded themselves saying, we don't have sin. But what I see here is that John is trying to bring a balance on that. It kind of like bring this light to say, it doesn't matter what you do, sin is there. Sin is real. Sin is in this world, and sin can break relationship with God. And that's what he's kind of bringing to us too. Not to have that saying that we're always going to live in sin, but not like that, because we have Jesus Christ overcome sin. What happens in us is that we are aware of sin now. And even if we fail, we come back to the Lord, right? And that's what he says in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nobody is going to be able to reach a moment in their life of not sinning, at least not in this body. <laughs> you know, have you seen those guys in the mountains? They, you know, live there by themselves and they said, I'm righteous, I'm just. No, he's still in sin. <laughs> sin is in this, this world. And the only one who can take the sin away 
is Jesus Christ. And then he says, in case he views sin, it kind of gives us an option. It kind of gives us a hope. Because when you have that thought about, you know, if we are in this world that is sin, and we're going to sin anyways, it's kind of hopeless. But then John says, I give you hope. This is the hope. So he continues in verse 1 saying, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word in the Greek that you don't use for advocate is the word parakletos. And, well, and the, and the original says parakleton, but the original or the root for that word is parakletos. And this word, it is translated as helper, comforter, or counselor. But it's very important to know that this word literally means in the Greek, one who is called alongside to help. So that means that John says we have Jesus Christ as advocate, a parakletos. That's the one who comes along us to help us, to give aid, to give strength when we don't have it. And John used the image as a defense attorney, one who pleads our case before a judge. Also, Jesus refers as parakletos to the Holy Spirit. Uh, some scholars say that this word parakletos appears only in the Gospel of John, and this letter of John, and is used only three times. The first one, we're going to go to John chapter 14, verse 16. And it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That word helper there is parakletos. It's been used in there. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That Helper, again, is explaining is the Holy Spirit. It's our Paracletos. He will come alongside in our lives to help us. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's awesome that the Lord says, Hey, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send you... You know, that it's going to be there for you to help you. In the middle of the world, in the middle of this place that is sinning, you're going to be the light. But even if you can't go through by yourself, my Holy Spirit is going to be there to push you, to support you, to give you strength. And honestly, that's what the Lord has been doing in my life, you know. I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. And I consider myself as a Timothy. Because it was my mom and my grandmother who taught me the Word of God. You know, it's like Timothy did. You know? <laughs> um, and uh, it was amazing. I always thank God for uh, providing me someone to show me the love of God and as a father. They always tell me. My mom and my grandma says, you know, God is your father. He will provide. But I had a hard, you know, understanding to do that, to understand uh, God as a father. And you'll understand later. I'll, I'll explain you later for that. But then he, uh, John presents Jesus as advocate to the Father. So when we sin, Jesus is like objection, you know. This is my sacrifice. This is my blood in him. So please forgive him. I'm interceding for him. He's the only one who intercedes. Nobody else, no other saints. You know, in Guatemala, the Catholicism, they use a lot of saints and they asked to intercede to God. And they asked, the main one in Guatemala is Mary. Mary is the mother. Mary is the intercession. And I'm, I always have some talks with some Catholic people. And I said, listen, I don't, I don't um, 
the night that Mary was great, you know. I respect her because what God did through her. But she didn't, she didn't die for my sins. She's not there interceding for me. It's Jesus Christ. And we see that on Romans 8, verse 34. It says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us? And then John not only put Jesus as our advocate to our Father, he doesn't say that he is only the righteous, but then in verse 2 he said that he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And, first, and, and John says that he came to his own, but his own didn't accept him, right? Something like that. I translate into my head that Spanish, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it says, but they don't receive him, so he gave the opportunity to those who wants to come with him to be, what, children of God. And I'm so thankful for that, for the Lord, that he became my intercessor to the Father. He's my advocate. But I like to see that this word paracletos, it, it convinces more, it has more to that, that not only the advocate, not only the person who, who is there to the Father, but is the, also the person who comes to help me, right? So I was start praying to say, Lord, how can I explain this better? You know, how can I have a, an, an idea for you to understand this word? While I was praying, the Lord brought me a memory to my mind. I don't know if that happened to you, but the Lord used a lot of that. Memories. They said, remember when you were like this? Yes. Remember when I saved you from this? Yes. And then I was like, thank you, Lord, for that. <laughs> well, he brought a memory to me. I was seven years old. Just to explain this, Paracletus, the person who comes to help you. You know, and I was seven years old. I was living with my grandparents. My mom had to leave to Guatemala City to work. Guatemala City and my grandparents, it was about five hours away. So it was far. So and it was a little town, and she has to go and work to Guatemala City, be able to send some money to my grandparents, because we were very poor. And my brother was there with me. My brother was seven years older than me, so he was working too. So, you know, it was a small town. There was no phones in that time, you know. I remember the Sprite was invented in that time. Well, at least in Guatemala, I don't know here. <laughs> You know, we were, we were playing outside, and the Coke truck came, and they were like, kids, come, come, we're going to give you some new drinks for you. And, and it was experimental. They didn't even tell us it was that. You know, try it, test it, see what you like it. And we're like, this is so good. <laughs> I want more. But we don't know that was experimental. They were even start selling it yet. They just want to see how the kids react after that. <laughs> we were kind of experimenting there. Anyway, so we were just kind of like, <laughs> we... Uh, go out on the street, and we have a whistle to everybody, to all the kids around, and we knew that whistle means, let's play on the street, you know. So we got outside, we start gathering and get, start getting some teams to play soccer. Soccer is the main sport in Guatemala. We have basketball, volleyball, and everything, but soccer is like the main one. So we're like making teams. I was seven years old, and for some reason, there was a boy there. It was like almost the same age as my brother, and he started bullying me. I don't know why, what I did. I didn't do anything. I was just sitting there waiting to be picked to play. And he started bullying me, calling me names. And I kind of ignore him because I'm like, I'm not, I want to play soccer. I'm not going to listen to you. 
So when this guy noticed that I kind of ignored him, he started getting a little physical. And he started getting closer to push me. When that happened, out of nowhere, my brother showed up and pushed him and punched him in the face, you know? <laughs> and all this, I was just watching everything, and I felt so good. I felt so protected. And my brother says, if you mess with him, you don't mess with him because you're going to mess with me, and you're going to be in trouble. And I have another brother, you know, it's eight years older than me. He's like, I will bring my brother with me, too. And we're going to beat you up. <laughs> so that guy, you know, never show up. But that's the, the, the memory the Lord brought me. And he said, I'm like that when you cry out to me. I'm like that when the devil call, comes to you and they start calling your names. Names like you're worthless. Names like you're a sinner. Names like you're a failure. You know, I don't know if that happened to you. It happened a lot to me. But the Lord says, just cry out to me. And I will come, I will push the enemy and punch it in the face. <laughs> That's the image I have, you know. <laughs> so when that happened, we need to cry out to Jesus. We need his help. He's the only one that can forgive our sins. We always need to be aware in our minds that, and our hearts that we have that advocate, that we have that helper in our lives, that when we memorize his word, it's not only going to be here, it's going to be here. You know, uh, Paul says that one of the weapons, one of the weapons of our armor is only one to attack the enemy, which is the sword of the spirit. The, the word that, that Paul used there on the Greek is rema. Rema means something that's already in your heart that will be out. So when the enemy comes and says you're worthless, you can say some scriptures. You know, you can say, you know, I worth the blood of Jesus. Jesus died for me. He's here with me. When that happens, the Lord will come. You know, we need to stand firm in our faith no matter what happened in our lives. It's true. There's sin around. There's sin sometimes in our lives. But Paul gives us this option to confess to the Lord, to believe in faith that He is for us. You know, God wants us to move out of sin. But sometimes our nature can do that. It's still there. But we need to fight against that. And that's why we have our Lord Jesus Christ with us. Peter put it in this way. 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Be sober and be watchful. Resist him. Even sometimes it's hard to do that, but it's not impossible. We need to develop that relationship. We need to have that discipline that I think many of us, it is hard to have. But little by little, step by step, we can do that. And that way it can be strong and firm in our faith. And I love to see that Peter just didn't stop there. He said that we're not alone in this battle. He said, your brothers throughout the whole world are going from the same kind of things. So if the enemy is putting in your head, oh, you're a sinner, you're the only one who sins like that, that's a lie. You know, sometimes when I, I sin, you know, and I'm going to be up in here, yes, I sin. <laughs> the enemy starts putting blame on me. And then I said, no, I'm said, sorry, I, forgive me, Lord. I want to do the right thing. 
you know. And I want to keep knowing you more and more. And sometimes when that happens, it feels, I feel like I'm the only one doing that. I feel like I'm alone. But I love to read this scripture that says that all these kind, same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by uh, our brothers throughout the world. Always remember that Jesus is for us. He's always there for us. He's our advocate. He is our defender. He is our redeemer. Then John continues in the next verses, and it gives us the challenge. Well, for me, it's like a challenge, right? Jesus is our advocate. Jesus is on our side. He forgives our sins, but there's more than that. He's kind of like, don't stop on confessing your sins to him only, but keep moving forward and start getting to know him more and more. Let's read what he says. It says, verse 3 to 6, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I think this is a challenge for many people. I think uh, get to know God more and more, but some people get scared about it. Why? Because the sins start getting discovered. Well, God is light. And nothing dark, nothing dirty could be uncovered. You know, they start getting discovered. So some people decide not to get too close to God because every time we get closer to God, we're going to have new challenges. At least that's been happening in my life. And those challenges, honestly... It's so hard sometimes to do it. Sometimes I even want to quit. I'm like, I'm not. I'm, I'm good here with you, God. I know you. You're a father. You're lovely. And that's it. You know? But the Lord wants to challenge us. Why? Because he wants us to enjoy more of him. He wants us to kind of go to the next level. And this verses here that John put it, it's true. For me, it's kind of like a challenge you know, to know more God. To understand better what John is trying to tell us when he said we have to come to know him, if we keep his commandments, let's study, let's study the word known. The word that John used in the Greek for know is the word ginosko or ginosko. And it's often translated as know or known. But this is a word that means so much more than that. This word implies a certain type of knowing and gives us the meaning of personally intimately and experientially know something. You know, as you can see, uh, this know is not just having information. This know is more like experience. For example, I could say, I could say, oh yeah, giving birth is hard. Right? <laughs> I saw my wife giving birth to two of my children and I could see the suffering. I could see the big needle they put it in there. And to be honest, I was thinking, thank God I'm a man. You know? <laughs> but that kind of knowing is information for me. I know it's hard because I've seen it. But if you ask my wife, do you know giving birth? She'll be like, oh, yeah, I know. Why? Because they really experience that. And that's the kind of knowing that John wants us to do. He doesn't want us to say, do you know God? Yes, I know God. Instead of, Oh, yeah, I know God. Let me tell you some stories about it. 
This is the amazing thing of knowing God is because you're going to have experience with Him. And honestly, the more you experience Him, the more you want of Him. Even if it's challenging, it's, you know, sometimes, like I said, for me, I'm like, okay, stop there. I need a pause. <laughs> you know, I have experienced God in so many ways in my life. And I know that every time I get closer to Him, I enjoy it, but it was a ride, you know. <laughs> it was a nice, not a nice ride sometimes, but it was a ride that I enjoy at the end. Uh, knowing someone in an intimate way, it really requires work. And I think so many quit because of that. And it requires a desire to let the other person see you as the way you are no matter what. And, think, and I think that's why many people are like the people John described in verse 4. In the, in the first part of verse 5. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. I, I love to, to see this, you know. People start reading the word of God. And like I said, for me, when I read it, it challenges me. And some people, maybe that's why they just... Uh, do just a few things there in the world because the other challenges, they want to leave it. And honestly, they are wasting a very good ride that the Lord has for you, <laughs> you know. For example, my wife knows me the best than anybody. And I think everybody here, you will say, my spouse knows me the best, right? Or the, those that are not married, that don't know the challenge of marriage, <laughs> they said, my best friend knows me the best. Right? So, why? Because we are real with that person. We are not hiding anything. And we feel comfortable to it. And we can be real, and we still know that that person will love you, loves us. So, thank you, wife, for loving me still. <laughs> so, my wife knows me the best. She knows my fears. And some of those fears, he has helping me to face them and overcome. Uh, one of them is to be in the water. You know, I didn't learn how to swim when I was a kid. I almost drowned when I was 12. So all that memories there on water, I'm like, you know, I can enjoy the river right here at the bank, just watching, that's it. And see everybody swimming, see everybody jumping and having all this fun while I was just there sitting. Well... You know, the Lord kind of say, okay, do you want to learn how to swim? I will get you a wife that is from Florida. <laughs> she loves to be on the beach. She loves to be in the water. She feels comfortable like a fish in the water, you know. And every time we go to do something, for me it's challenging, especially in the water. Now, we went to Florida on this trip, and we went to a, a water park. First time I was in a water park. And there was these huge water slides coming down. And, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do it. You know, she's like, oh, you're doing it. <laughs> it's like, if your kids are doing it, you're doing it. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I went in the top of one of them. It's like, what, which one is the easy one? <laughs> and they gave me the less complicated one. So I was like sitting there, and I was like, what do I'm doing here? And all my heart started pumping, and all that fear coming. And, well, I let it go. And I was like, oh. then the water slide went on top of me, and I tried to stop, and I can do it. And I was like, oh, this is not for me. But then I tried it again. 
So I, I end up in doing it. So it's kind of a ride, right? Also, I always tell her when, when we are, uh, that I want to learn how to swim. But I never did it. I never looked for a way to do it. Three years ago, uh, she, on Valentine's Day, she gave me a gift. She gave me an envelope. So I opened it, and it was swimming lessons. And my reaction was, uh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't even excited. And I was just kind of say thank you. And I said, I'll check it later. And she said, no, 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 you start tomorrow. <laughs> so that year, honestly, I really enjoyed it. And I lost, lost a little fear from the water. I was telling her that I've kind of lost about 90%. And she said, no, 30%. But, <laughs> but I'm getting there, you know. So that's kind of like knowing God is sometimes, obeying his commandments. It's going to give you that challenge. It's going to give you that new challenge of a new ride of your life. It might be a little fearful to you. It might be a little hard to do it. But let me tell you, you start doing it, even when you're sitting there like me, like pumping hard and everything, do it. Because the Lord knows that it will take you so much weight on your life, and you will enjoy Him better. Um, one of the greatest challenges that God put in my heart years ago is to forgive. And I believe it is hard to do for so many of us. You know, Forgiveness for me is so hard, especially uh, when I was younger. Um, I started practicing that, and it was very hard. When I was six years old, my dad left. Left my mom, left my brother, left me. When I was seven years old, he came back, used to try to kill my mom in front of me. And I saw that. If it wouldn't be for my grandfather and my uncles to stop him, probably my mom would be dead. Um, I, I didn't remember that, but my mom always reminded me that I grabbed a nail clipper, and at that time the nail clipper has like a little knife. So I grabbed the knife and I told him, if you come back, I'll kill you. Yeah, so that kind of hate, that kind of rejection was inside of me. And I always guard the thought of one day have my revenge. You know, I'm going to grow up. You know, I'm going to learn some kung fu, you know, some karate. You know, like Bruce Lee, that wants just one hit and just do it. That's what my intention is, to one hit, kill my dad. And enjoy the moment, apparently, right? But while I was getting to know God, my heart started changing. I wanted to know him in a more intimate way. I wanted to ginosko in my life. And every time I read about forgiveness in the Bible, because honestly, there's a lot, right? <laughs> I used to skip it. No, that's not for me. You know? Or I have to preach about forgiveness. I'm like, uh, let's, let's preach about joy, about salvation. And the Lord was confronting me. I was 24 years old when the Lord put in my heart, you know, to do something very challenging for me. One day I was praying to God and I said, God, I want you to break this curse upon my life from my dad. I don't want to be like him. And I said, if you give me a family, I want to be that man, that husband, that honor my wife, that honor children, and honor you. And guess what? The Lord heard my prayer. What did he say? Go and look at your dad and tell him to forgive him. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, Say it again. 
I was like, can you just break the curse where you are, you know, just break the curse and tell me if I did it. And the Lord said, no, you need to go. The Lord always going to challenge you for you to participate. He can do it, right? He always going to be there and say, go and do it. Why? Because he wants you to learn something. He wants you to, one, learn that he is with you. He's the paracletos, our helper to do that. And that he's for us. Another is that you're able to do it. Not because you don't want it. It's because you're obeying to what the Lord is putting in your heart to do. I fight, or I fought against this commandment, if we call it like that, with God for six months. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I want my revenge. That's what I want to do. But the Lord used a dream for me. And in the dream, I saw myself on front of my dad's graveyard. And I was standing like this, and I said, I forgive you. And I heard a voice from the sky, and it says, too late. He's not there. He's not listening to you. So when I saw that, I get up, and I start making some arrangements. And an uncle of mine knew where he lived. He took me there. We went one afternoon around 6, started knocking at the door. And the other woman that he had opened the door. He has another family. And she said, oh, he's not here. He's still working. But you can sit here and wait for him. I was like, no, no, thank you. Uh, so I start walking away from the house. I look to the sky, and I said, he's not there. I did it. I'm here. I moved the hook, hook you know. So I keep walking. But still, that weight on me was there. And then my uncle says, there's your dad coming in the dark. I was like, how do you know it's him? He's like, oh, I know the way he walks. So he came close to me in the light, and I told him who, who I was. When I told him who I was, he kind of stepped back. And I said, listen, I'm not here to hurt you, even I want to do it so bad, you know, but the Lord told me not to do it. And I said, I'm here to tell you, I forgive you when everybody humiliated me because I didn't have a dad to protect me. I forgive you when everybody tried to beat me when, no, when you weren't here. I forgive you when my mom needs you. So I all that stuff, I need to get it out. And the Lord knew that, right? His answer was, I forgive you too. And I was like, seriously? I said, inside of me, I said, Lord, are you taking him right now or I send it to you? You know, <laughs> FedEx style, you know. But the Lord says, just listen. And then he's like, I forgive you because according to him, we are, were the ones who left. So I said, fine, okay, uh, I will listen to you. And then I said, you know, the Lord loves you and the Lord wants you to come back. Because he used to be a youth pastor before. And I said, listen, the Lord wants you to come back. Come back to his ways. Repent. And he's like, he got mad with me and said, I'm not to listen to that. And I said, I'm just, uh, be obedient to what the Lord's put in my heart to tell you. If you don't want to accept it, then your blood is upon you now, I said. But I'll forgive you. And then I walk away, and I felt this peace in my heart, this joy. And now I understand the love of a father because I, set, I was set free from that hate that I have against my father. Now I see my God as my father who takes care of me. 
obviously will discipline me. They will correct me with certain things. But he's going to be there for me every time. And now I, I even, I, when I pray, I kind of like made the image of I'm hugging him and I'm kind of like, I love you. You know, it's so beautiful, so like healing that will happen to me. And I, I think I can say, I gnosko God as my father. I experience him like that now, you know, because I had the opportunity to, to forgive. And honestly, it's not a formula that happened here. And it's nothing that it stopped there, you know. I'm perfect. You know, I can forgive everybody now, right? No. It's a daily challenge. It's a daily challenge to pass the offense. Because the enemy is going to use the offense a lot to walk you away from the church, walk, make you away from God, make you away from your parents, make you away from your best friends. If you don't say it, if you don't say anything about it, then the other part is not going to know about it, what happened. So the Lord wants you to confess it. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned and they hide, the Lord knew where he was. But what was his question? Where are you? He's kind of given the opportunity to, to say, hey, let's talk about it. What happened here, right? And then he said, well, I hide because I was naked. And the Lord said, who told you you were naked? Kind of like making a conversation, giving the opportunity to take responsibility of it. But what happened is that Adam blamed God, the woman you gave me. <laughs> You know, it's amazing. Sometimes we make excuses to not get more intimate way to the Lord. And this is what John is trying to encourage us here. That yes, our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. That yes, sin is real. That yes, we are aware of that. That yes, if we sin, we have Jesus in our side. But don't stay there. You need to know him more. You need to develop that relationship. And verse 5 and 6 says, By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. We need to follow Jesus' example in our lives. But we need to follow that Jesus that doesn't punch people in the face. Right? Just the enemy. <laughs> That's the way I see it. It's not easy sometimes, but it's not impossible to do it. Let's trust him. Let's trust that the more we follow his example, the more we're going to know him and enjoy his relationship with him. What example can we follow from Jesus? That he being crucified, being beat up, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He could, you know, get out of the cross if he want. Even he said it before he went through all that. He told, you know, I have like, what, a legion or six legions of angels ready for me to attack. <laughs> Just say the word. He didn't do it. Why? Because he loves us. And he wants us to save us. And Hebrews says that he endures all that because he already saw the glory was coming. He already saw the door he was open for the whole world for us to come with him and the kingdom. It's amazing to see this love of God. Even when hard times come ahead of our lives, if we abide in him, and we know him, we experience him, we're going to face those hard times with strength, right? With love, even with joy, right? You know, I'm, I'm happy, I'm, <coughs> but I'm sick, but I'm happy, I'm joyful. 
Why? Because we have this hope in us that the Lord lives in us. He gives us peace to go through those hard times. He gives us patience. You know, how many times you have to wait for an answer? That requires patience. Now that we live on everything that is instantaneous, right? Uh, we have the opportunity to travel, and uh, we don't have much internet here on our phones. So we have to use maps <laughs> to do, you know. Google Maps, you put it, you know. So every time we travel, it's like, okay, we need to get a Starbucks because they have free internet, so I can go and put it on on the GPS. But it's instantaneous. We like everything quick. But sometimes God will take time, you know. And it's patience. Look, I fought with that thought of forgiving my dad for six months. The, the Lord then came and, and twisted my arm. was like, do it, do it. No. He was patient. He showed me patience there. And I hope that it shows you patience too when you read his word. God wants us to move from sin. This is three things that I, I would like to share with you that we can learn from these verses. Number one, and this is in your bulletin, God wants us to move from sin. We have sin that have held us captive for a long time. We think we cannot overcome that. But John shows us that if we confess our sin. We need to keep moving forward, right? He's faithful and just to forgive us. That is the word, uh, this, this word being in us every day, to help us to keep moving forward, that we have that in mind for us. Number two, Jesus is on our side always. He is our advocate. He is our helper, right? He is our redeemer. He's always going to be there to help us. He is our paracletos. In the middle of doubt, in the middle of confusion, let's cry his name and cry out for help. The enemy is going to be there to accuse you all the time. He's going to be pushing and pushing until he gets into your mind. Do you know that the best battlefield the enemy has is your mind? And one of his titles is devil. The word devil in the Greek is not a name, it's not a title, it's a job description. You know, it's two words. Dia is diabolos in, in the Greek. And dia is two words. Dia means to penetrate something. And bolos, it means to throw a rock or to throw something over and over. You know, so when you put it together, you get the word diabolos, the devil. That means it's a person who's going to be throwing something to you over and over and over until it penetrates your mind. That's why it's important that we have the Word of God as our wall, as our shield, right? So it doesn't penetrate. But sometimes it does because we are tired, we are weak. And that doesn't mean you're failed. It means you're human. It means we still need Jesus, right? And we have that. He is on our side. And number three, don't believe in word. Look at actions. Don't leave all the things in just words. Look away to put into action those words. Allow the relationship to develop fruit in your life. Not just say it, I will do it tomorrow. Don't be like Pharaoh, you know, when they have all the plagues. Moses says, when do you want it, this gone? Tomorrow. Instead of saying, right now. Not tomorrow. I want to leave with the frogs for a little bit to see, investigate. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. And sometimes we are like that. The Lord is asking you, how can I help you? Oh, tomorrow I'll tell you. Let's not do it like that. Let's not just say words. I will change 
tomorrow. Oh, I will do this tomorrow for the Lord. No, if the Lord is putting you to do something, be obedient to do it. I don't know what things God is asking you to do, but my advice for you is obey. Do not delay. Do not linger on those thoughts. Just obey. Because as hard as it is, let me tell you, I'm experiencing that a lot. <laughs> but I'm learning. I'm in the learning process too also. And let's abide in Him and in His Word. That's one of the secrets. You know, have the Word of God. But not only as an information, but also as an experience. Right? We need to do it intentionally in our life. Many of us just know the Word of God as a history book, poetry, historical, and that's it. We leave it like that. We leave the Holy Spirit on one side, and we have just information. When God wants us to have everything together for us to experience. And that's what I encourage you to do, to do today. And in conclusion, let's follow His example for our lives. Let's have that desire to know Him more and more. Even if that means we will receive a lot of challenges. But we know that those challenges will change us to be more like Him. And it's going to be a ride all the time. <laughs> like it or not. You know, but I promise you, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to get, you know, so professional to that. <laughs> that the Lord is going to be there and say, you can do it. You can do it. Or, or, or you're going to do it. Like my wife. <laughs> let's not stop on just confessing our sins. But let's keep moving forward to know Him in a personal, intimate, and experimental way in our lives. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your promises. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting the sacrifice, to be that, our sacrifice, our, our propitiation for the atonement of our sins. Thank you that you become not only our Savior, but you become our, our advocate. You become our Redeemer. And then through you, Lord, we can have this forgiveness of sin. And through you, Jesus, we can have salvation. Through you, Lord, we can try to live little by little and better, be better and better every day and live in you, Lord. Help us to know you more. Help us not to leave it in words, but put into actions in our heart that we can memorize your word, not just because of our information, but because we want to experience it in our heart. We want that change. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to be that paracletos, that helper for each one of us, that when we have hard times, we can cry out to you and you can come to help us, to show us the way, to give us peace, to give us joy in the middle of the storm, to give us patience, to, to be able to wait to what you have for us, Lord. Thank you for your presence, and thank you for the time you allow us to learn more about you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.